When God is your source, you're not intimidated by bigger people, more powerful people because of who you have working with you. Dr. Tony Evans talks about the important link between our commitment and our confidence. Until you get to that place, you're not fully committed. You have limited or lost access to the miraculous. This is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. According to Dr. Evans, seeing God show up in your life in more practical, powerful ways is directly related to something you have the power to change. He explains what it is as he takes us to the book of 1 Kings for today's message. What I want to suggest to you today from the life of Elijah is that the amount of the supernatural you get to see will be directly related to the level of your spiritual commitment. That if you are a part-time Christian, don't expect full-time miracles. Israel is dealing with a problem that brought the prophet Elijah on the scene in the first place. And that is their attraction to idols. They were attracted to Baal and Asherah, Baal's girlfriend, the idols that had now consumed the culture, even those who named the name of God. An idol is an unauthorized noun, person, place, or thing that you look to for that thing to be the source of a need being met. Something God has not approved, but you're looking to it to be the source of your provision. That's an idol. Granted, we over here don't worship trees by and large or, or the moon or the stars. Well, I can't really say that because folks are still checking their horoscopes as an unauthorized source. Because the Bible says when you, when you check astrology to find your source and your direction, Based on the movement of the stars or the month you were born or any of the like, you have appealed to an unauthorized source. (laughs) You just look at what's happening in the culture and you gravitate to that, whether it's people or power or possessions or whether it's prestige. We have seen some of the supernatural activity of Elijah and we've tried to say This transfers over to you today. The principle of God's supernatural work that we're discovering in his life relates to your life. We come in chapter 18 and we come to a place where now the prophet Elijah confronts King Ahab. He confronts King Ahab and he confronts him in chapter 18 Verse 17, and when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is this you, you troubler of Israel? In other words, you getting on my nerves, Ahab says. Is this you, Elijah, you bringing all this trouble to Israel? Elijah responds in verse 18, I have not troubled Israel but you and your father's house have because you have forsaken the commandment of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. You follow the idols. Elijah is not concerned about being politically correct. He's not concerned about making the king feel good. He's not concerned about his uh, cultural profile. That's why there's a piece of you that's got to be independent. Even in politics, 
The only thing you get to be is Democrat light or Republican light because you're owned by nobody. Why? Because nobody is your source but the living and true God. So he refuses to be politically correct. He says, Ahab, you have brought this about because of your pursuit of idolatry. You've caused the heavens to shut up. It's no longer raining. The culture's in trouble because you have pursued another God. One of the reasons you're seeing all of this chaos around us, even in our culture and in our country, is because we have forsaken the Lord our God. America right now is undergoing what you might call the passive wrath of God. There is the active wrath of God. You see that in the Old Testament when fire would come down from heaven, fire and brimstone, or an angel would come down and slay somebody. God would directly demonstrate his judgment and his wrath. But thanks to the death of Jesus Christ, which has satisfied the just wrath of God, today we primarily deal with the passive wrath of God And the passive wrath of God is simply when he moves out of the way and let you experience the consequences of your choices. Romans chapter 1 talks about the passive wrath of God. It says, because they have no longer retained the knowledge of God, God turned them over. That is, he released them to the consequences of your choices. So therefore, what you and I are experiencing today, not only on a national level, But even on a personal level, is God giving you what you want, a life without him? But you have to understand, when God gives you what you want, a life without him, there are deleterious consequences that come with that. And what you and I are experiencing today is God saying, you don't want me? Let me get out of the way and let me show you life without me. And so you have the consequence of the removal of God. God is being removed from government. God is being removed from schools. God is being removed from the biblical definition of marriage. God is being removed from the civics. God can't even open up a prayer at a football game. When God is being removed from the culture, that means idolatry has automatically set in, which means there are consequences that accrue in the environment where God has been removed. So what you are experiencing is the passive wrath of God And the further God is removed, you ain't seen nothing yet. Not because God is throwing fire from heaven. He's just releasing you to experience life without him. And that is what was happening in Israel. They're experiencing life without the one true God. So, Elijah says, Now send and gather to me all of Israel at Mount Carmel verse 19, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, that's 850, who eat at Jezebel's table. He says, uh, okay, uh, let's have a a fight at the OK Corral. You bring your people and your God and I'll be there at high noon. Okay? Okay. Let's settle this once and for all. Let's don't Let's don't confuse people. Let's let's put this thing out on the table. So Ahab says, okay, you got a deal. Let's go for it. So Ahab sent, verse 20, a message among all the sons of Israel 
and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Now watch this because this is where we start. Verse 21. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Elijah says, all right, folk, how long you going to keep dancing? How long will you hesitate between two opinions? The word hesitate means vacillate. How long you going to dance? This God on Sunday and another God on Monday. How long you going to go back and forth? How long, how long you going to dance around this thing? How long you going to move back and forth? The picture is the picture of a drunk person who can't walk straight. Like when the police pulled a lot of y'all over and had y'all walk the straight line to see whether you were intoxicated or not. And you stammered and you, you went back and forth. I, you, you, y'all know who I'm talking about. You, you couldn't walk straight. That's what he means. How long are we going to have to keep doing this? How long are you going to have to keep hearing the same sermon every week calling you to full commitment before you make one? How many church services do you have to go to before you make a decision? How many Bible studies are you going to be in before you make a decision? How often are you going to play church before you make a real decision to no longer be an undecided saint? How long are you going to dance back and forth before you make a serious decision about God? See, a lot of folk want to worship God on Sunday and then hug an idol on Monday. You came in, you saw somebody hugging your loved one and you say, well, why are you hugging my loved one? Or why are you hugging that person? You say, well, I was hugging them, but I was thinking about you. So what we do is we worship God and say, I'm hugging an idol God, but I'm thinking about you. Yeah, we, we halt between two opinions. There's not a clear statement about where we stand. If you were accused of being a Christian at work, would you be found guilty or would you be found innocent of all charges? Because there's just not enough evidence to convict you. Because you say hallelujah on Sunday, you cuss like a sailor on Monday. It, it, uh, you're dancing between two opinions and the clarity of the statement has not been made. You have a compromised full commitment. He says, how long? How many more years? How many more months? How many more services? How long are you going to dance before you decide? That's his question. It says the people were silent. Why were they silent? Simple. They weren't ready to commit. They weren't ready to commit. They weren't ready to, well, well, you know, you know, you're too serious. You, you, you're being too serious about this Christian thing. Just let me get a little church, give me a little music, preach me a little sermon, and then leave me alone. Says the people were silent. They were not ready to commit. But watch it. They were always ready for a miracle. They were always looking for a blessing. They were always looking for God to do something while they were silent. So let me state my position as coming from this passage. 
If you're not ready to commit and to stop dancing, stop looking for a miracle and searching for a blessing. He says that you want this God over here, that God over there. How many more sermons? How many more programs? How many more challenges do you need? Dr. Evans will hone in on the power of real commitment when he continues this message from his series on Elijah. This six-part collection focuses on the lessons we can learn from one of the Bible's greatest prophets about waiting for God's provision, understanding His perfect timing, living a life that matters, overcoming fear and discouragement, strengthening our faith and commitment, and more. Get a copy of the powerful message series, Elijah, along with bonus material we won't have time to present on the air, as well as the companion DVD Bible study kit that'll lead you step-by-step into a deeper understanding of these important principles. We're offering this package for a limited time as our gift when you make a contribution in support of Tony's ministry. Time is running short on this special offer, and we don't want you to miss out. Visit us today at TonyEvans.org to request your copy. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Or call us day or night at 1-800-800-3222, and one of our resource team members will help you. We'll get back to today's lesson right after this. Whether you're facing a decision or a dilemma, it's smart to ask, what would Jesus do? But first you have to know what Jesus did and what God has to say about the situations you face. Well, if building your biblical foundation is your goal, the help you need is as close as your computer or mobile device, thanks to the Tony Evans Training Center. It's packed with online courses covering core concepts of the faith and in-depth scripture studies you can work through any time you want at any pace you want. Along the way, you'll explore key teachings and learn how to apply them in real-world situations. There's lots of exclusive content from Tony to keep you interested and motivated and an online forum where you can ask questions, get answers, and collaborate with other students. It's almost like having a seminary on your smartphone. Visit TonyEvans.org today and connect with the Tony Evans Training Center where you can explore the kingdom anytime, anywhere. Just visit TonyEvansTraining.org to get started right away. And now here's Dr. Evans to continue our teaching for today. The politician, he was asked, where do you stand on this issue? Well, he says, it's real simple. Some of my friends stand on it this way. Some of my friends stand on it this way. I just stand with my friends. He had no position. It ought to be clear which God you stand for. It ought to be clear that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you serve the God of the Bible. When Jesus spoke about the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, he said, I would that you were hot or that you were cold, but you're lukewarm. In the summer, you want want a cold glass of tea In the morning when you get up, you want, in the wintertime, hot, hot chocolate, hot coffee. You don't want lukewarm coffee. You ever gone and ordered from Starbucks, give me a cup of lukewarm coffee? Have you ever gone and said, give me some lukewarm tea? No, you want hot or cold. You want it to be clear what it is. You don't want it to be half in between. So you'll tell the person, heat up my coffee. I've lost the heat in it or put some ice in my iced tea because it's gotten too lukewarm. He says, be hot 
or be cold, but don't look warm because he says, if you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Or to put it another way, you Christians, because he's talking to Christians, y'all make me want to vomit. So my question to you is, this week, when you live your life outside of church, do you make Jesus want to throw up? Because he sees you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. While you pray for a miracle and ask for a blessing, while you dance between different gods. Jesus says to reject lukewarmness, to reject double-mindedness. Let not the double-minded man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. James 1.5. So I don't care how much you pray every day. If there is a double-mindedness, a dancing between gods, a dancing between sources, let not that man think God is going to do anything for him. Uh, In other words, there is no miraculous coming your way. Only what you create, there will be nothing from heaven because heaven is not going to support you while you date another God. And so he says, I need your full decision, your full commitment, and your full dedication. So now, Elijah says, I alone, verse 22, am left the prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets of 450 men. I'm out here by myself because the rest of y'all folk not supporting me. But since this is not a popularity contest, since this is not to see what the hotter numbers fare in my favor, I'm ready to take my stand. God is looking for some folk who even though outnumbered are willing to take their stand even though the other side has more than you, even though it looks like you're outnumbered in your, among your friends, among your co-workers, or what have you, you are willing to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ. You are no longer going to be a secret agent Christian, a spiritual CIA representative, a covert operative. You're going to come out and make it clear where you stand. He said, this is how the numbers shape up. But in spite of that, we're going to put the true God to the test. He says, why don't you bring verse 23 to oxen and let the 450 choose one oxen and I'll take whichever one they don't choose, put it on the wood, put it on the altar, but don't put a fire under it. And then you 450, you call on the name of your God and tell your God, light the fire. Okay? Tell your God, be the Ohio players, fire. Tell your God to light it up. And then I'm going to call on my God. And let's see whose God is the God of fire. Now, unless you understand Baalism, you can't appreciate this, but Baal was the God of fire, the God of the sun. So you figure if Baal is in charge of the sun, he can light something up. So he's challenging him at the very core of the greatness of their God. Says, let's see what your God can do. So they agree. He is so confident in his commitment to God that he will challenge the majority. 
Oh, do we need some committed Christians today who are so committed and so confident in their God, they don't mind being outnumbered. Because they understand that once God, the true God is in the equation, the numbers shift. When God is your source, you're not intimidated by bigger people, more powerful people, greater numbers. None of that becomes the deciding factor because of who you have working with you. So he says, come on, let's don't talk. Let's do this thing. And so here's what they do. The 450 agree. And so they chose the ox in verse 26 and prepared it in the name of Baal. And from morning to noon, they were saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. Oh, Baal, let's have some fire. Light the, light the altar. Oh, Baal, oh, great Baal. They jumping around the altar. They're getting their praise on around the idol. And it says, and nothing happened. And there was no voice. When midday was passed, verse 29, they raved until the evening sacrifice. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come close. Come close. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. He got the spiritual priority back in order. And unless we do that as a church, unless that's the main thing, every other thing is a waste of time. He got the altar back, the spiritual part back, the confession of sin and the pursuit of righteousness back. The altar represented all that. And he prays at the evening sacrifice, O Lord, verse 36, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant-keeping God, today let it be known that you are God in Israel. I am your servant, and notice this, I have done all the things that your word. Let it be known what you will do when people are committed to you and your word. I'm not like y'all, I'm not going back and forth. I am totally committed to his word. That's how you know if you're dancing or not. You know if you're dancing between gods by whether his word has the final say-so in your decisions. The way you know you're a committed Christian is not because you shout. The prophets of Baal shouted. It's not because you dance around. The prophets of Baal dance around. He says, let it be known that I'm for real because I obey your word. In other words, God, your word has the final say-so over my decisions. Until you get to that place, you're not fully committed. If you're not fully committed, you have limited or lost access to the miraculous. If you're ready to give God the final say-so over your life and to make a deliberate connection with Him today, Tony has this encouragement for you. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Guess what? God is going to let you go to heaven on credit. He will credit to your account the righteousness of Christ because God has credited to Jesus Christ your sin. So your credit score can be 100 if you go to Jesus Christ for salvation right now. How do you do that? Tony would be happy to explain it to you. Just visit TonyEvans.org and follow the link at the top of the homepage that says Jesus. He has a short, powerful video that explains what real Christianity is all about, along with some free follow-up resources. So check it out today and discover the amazing difference it can make in your life. And while you're online, don't forget to request Tony's current series, Elijah. 
As I mentioned earlier, you can get the entire six-part series on CD or digital download, along with the companion DVD Bible study kit. They're our gift to you, and thanks for your contribution to help us keep Tony's teaching on this station. But don't forget, this offer is only available for a limited time. So make a point of visiting us today at TonyEvans.org to make the arrangements. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Or contact our 24-hour resource center at 1-800-800-3222 and let one of our team members help you. That's 1-800-800-3222. Many people who say they trust God will also put their trust in a lot of other things. Tomorrow, Dr. Evans will take a look at why nothing but total commitment to Christ will do. I hope you'll join us. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative and is made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you. 